So good morning, everyone. Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. So how many of you recognize that you're not always in control? That's how I'm feeling this morning. For those of you who are our guests, I want to welcome you and thank you for sticking with us. So here's what happened. What happened was the curtain behind me is a fire barrier. And for some reason, that triggered. And when it triggered, it set off the, the fire alarm in the school. And so this curtain behind me, much like the resurrection, may come up at any given point in time. So just wanted to let you know if that curtain starts to go up, what I'm understanding now, it's on somewhat of a timer. And uh, when time's up, it's ready to roll. How's that sound? So speaking of time, can you let me know, what time is it right now? What time is it? 10.40. At 10 after, I want you to signal me. Can you do that? He's a wrestler at UVA. We know you can handle that. Good deal. Yeah, I, I am surprised in a positive way. So listen, a couple of quick announcements, things that I need to make mention of. First of all, when you, were, when you came through the door, you were handed an insert in the newsfeed. This has in it the events that are coming up this summer. So we're really asking that you would pay attention to this, put it somewhere where you'll see it regularly, maybe on your refrigerator, maybe on a mirror that you look in frequently. There are some things that are going to be happening in the very near future here at City, and we want to make sure that you have sort of the summer calendar of events so that you're aware front and back on that. The final thing that I want to make mention of is that we've got the words for today. We purchase and give away a devotional called The Word for Today. It takes about five to ten minutes to go through it. There's one for each day. It's an exceptionally practical devotional. And since June has already started, we have a few more left out in the foyer on the Bible cases. And that's it for the announcements that I've been told that I need to make. How's everyone this morning? Let's try that again. How's everyone doing this morning? There you go. Um... We are beginning a new sermon series that's entitled, Life in the Spirit. And I want to say at the outset, as we move in this direction, I am excited about this sermon series, and it's going to last the entire summer. Now, here's the other thing I want to say. This sermon series is going to build on itself. Next Sunday morning, I'm, for Father's Day, I'm going to preach on Samson. And I'm going to compare Samson to a Newer Testament figure that is identical to Samson in the Newer Testament. He is identical, his life story, other than the ending and some other things, are identical. So next Sunday morning, I'm going to be challenging the men through the story of Samson. But from then on, we are literally going to be building layer upon layer about life in the Spirit. And I'm excited about it. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to begin where the first time the Holy Spirit shows up. And that's at creation. So I'm going to ask that you would grab your Bible real quick and turn to page one in your Bible. Page number one. 
And in turning there, we're going to read in just a few moments, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. But before we go there, there is something that we're going to need to know, and you'll hear about this several times. And that is this, that in the Older Testament, the Holy Spirit shows up primarily in three forms or terminology. Spirit, which we're going to read about this morning, breath, and wind. Sometimes in the Older Testament, the Holy Spirit shows up as fire, but that's very infrequently. So the three primary are spirit, breath, and wind. And for those of you who have been reading the Older Testament, many of us are. We're journeying through the Bible this year. Some of the reading plans that we're doing have an Older Testament and Newer Testament. Just so you know, the Spirit can also be known in the Older Testament as breath or wind. That's going to become really important for the week after Father's Day. Now, here's the text that we're going to read. It's a famous text, one that almost everyone knows that has ever read the Bible. Because as you began in the book of Genesis, you got through this, you got through the creation, maybe made it up till the time of Abraham, and then you ran out of steam. But almost everyone has read the first two verses of the Older Testament. And as we look at life in the Spirit, how the story of the Spirit begins is critical. We've got to get what we're going to go over this morning. So here is Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. Here's what the Bible tells us. Let's read it out loud. Can you read it out loud with me? Ready? Let's go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. You read this. And what we almost always miss is the potency of it. So what I want to do this morning is we're going to dig into those two verses. Because the first time the Holy Spirit is mentioned sets the trajectory for the rest of the Bible and for your life in the Spirit and my life in the Spirit. So, in looking at these scriptures, here's what we can determine. Most of us, when we think about the creation narrative, the creation story in the Older Testament, what runs through most people's minds is a physical sort of picture. Now, if the screens were working, I had a picture from the Hubble telescope. It was one of the 20th anniversary pictures, and that picture is mesmerizing. It shows the vastness of the galaxy. It shows a nebulae. It shows thousands of stars. It's absolutely gorgeous. Most of us, when we think of the creation story, we get a physical picture much like that. And then what we end up doing is we position ourselves in front of that picture. And when we do, we begin to feel hidden and small. We begin to feel sort of minute and insignificant. Many of the times when people read Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, that's sort of the image, the vastness of the creation of God. And oftentimes we would chime in then 
with the psalmist of the Old Testament where David writes in Psalm chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. Here's what he writes. When I consider your heavens, this psalm is directed at God. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Now here's what I want to tell you at the outset. The working of the Holy Spirit in creation, as we're going to learn over the next several weeks, means that you mean something to God. Yes, creation is vast. Creation is expansive. The Hubble telescope has been sending back pictures that are mind-blowing of the vastness of creation. But what you need to understand is this. The creation story in the book of Genesis is the polar opposite to every other creation story from its time. Now this may surprise you, but we have Babylonian manuscripts that have the entire creation narratives of the Babylonian Empire, of the Egyptian Empire, and you know that every one of those narratives says this, everyone, that the world was created and humankind was created for the purpose of God and His pleasure. The creation narrative in the book of Genesis is the opposite. What you begin to discover is that God creates a world that is magnificent. And He does it with humankind in mind. You see, the other narratives, when they happen and the other creation narratives happen, God has Himself in mind. But not in the Bible. The Bible's creation narrative says that God, out of love, had humankind in mind and created the world specifically for humankind. Now, in the scriptures that we just read, here's what we read about. The Bible describes the creation story the following way. God created the heavens and the earth. And then the description of what God's going to begin to work with happens. And here's what the book of Genesis tells us. That the heavens and the earth were there, but the description of the material world before the creation narrative takes off is this. Formless and empty. Formless and empty. It's the two Hebrew words, toha and boha. Formless, toha. Boha means empty. And the reason why I put it there, because it sounds cool. That's why it's there. Toha and boha. Now here's what I know. Almost everyone that thinks about the creation narrative and thinks about Genesis chapter 1 and verses 2, we have a physical picture in our minds. And so when the Hebrew Scripture says the earth was Toha and Boha, we have a mental picture. We picture a primordial chaos. It's all physical for us. But here's what you need to know. Those Hebrew words Toha and Boha are not describing physical things. Here's what those words describe, and they're found throughout the Older Testament. Here's what they describe. 
they describe this. Something that is formless and empty, but is this. Futile, empty, and meaningless. It's not a physical descriptor. Here's what it is. It's a functional one. The describing of the earth before the Holy Spirit shows up is that it is futile. It is empty. Boha and toha mean meaningless. No purpose. Darkness. Potential. Zero. It's physically there. But what those two Hebrew words describe are function, purpose, and potential. That's what they describe. So when you read the narrative in Hebrew, what it's trying to tell you is, is that when God sends His Spirit into the creative narrative, before the Holy Spirit begins to hover over the waters, there's no meaning. There's no purpose. There's no sense of potential at all. It's utter chaos. And then the Bible tells us, tells us this, that when the Holy Spirit shows up, the Holy Spirit is concerned in the Hebrew with function, not physical. We need to remember this, that the creation narrative, almost all of us read it from a physical standpoint. That's not how it reads in Hebrew. In Hebrew, it reads, it is empty, formless, void, because function is not happening. And in the midst of that, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to hover. And what, you what you'll discover from here on is not necessarily a physical description, it is a functional one. Again, we need to remember that. So from now on, when we talk about the book of Genesis in creation, I want you to think function, not physical. Because it's going to play into what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives at the end of our time together this morning. So, in looking at this, what we discover next is that nothing's functioning, the potential is zero, meaninglessness is rampant. Then all of a sudden... The book of Genesis introduces us to the Spirit of God. And here's what the Scripture says. And the whole and the Spirit of God was, what's the next word? Hovering. Zero meaning. Zero hope. Zero purpose. Zero function. Meaningless, rampant. And then all of a sudden... Moses, in the writing of the book of Genesis, puts in there for us that suddenly the Holy Spirit is hovering. The Holy Spirit is hovering, and the next thing you see is the creation narrative takes off like a rocket. But nothing happens until the Holy Spirit shows up. There's a lack of purpose. There's a lack of meaning. There's darkness. There's chaos. And then the Holy Spirit steps in. We need to know that. Now, in looking at our story, the creation narrative, as I just mentioned, takes off like a rocket. And when it takes off like a rocket, the Bible begins to tell us that God begins to say certain things, and certain things are moving forward one day at a time. 
So here's what we need to know. Day one, God creates light. But here's what's stunning. There is no sun. That gets created later. There's no moon. That gets created later. And yet all of a sudden, God says, let there be light, and light steps into the world. Here's what I want you to understand. When God creates, it's about function, not physical. At times, you need physical for function, but I want you to notice on day one, when the creation narrative happens, God says, let there be light, and there's nothing to bring light. It's a form of function. After light, on day number two, what we have is, next, uh-oh, more technical difficulty. Hold on one second. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> Let me try it again. Hey, look at that. Next, day two. In day two, what God ultimately creates is sort of a biosphere so that there can be functional weather. So on day one, you have day and night. Notice God says, let there be light, but he doesn't call it light. He calls it day and night. Then the next day, there's the creation of weather. On the third day, what we have next is, and this is key for all of us who are hungry, guess what God provides for? Food. Now let me ask you a question. What do you need to survive? You need time, you need weather, and you need food. Because if you do not have light, if you do not have light and time, you do not have what's next, and that's weather. So what you need to see is that God is functionally moving through creation and he, produ he produces time, day and night. Then he produces weather. And then he produces the separation of land and water so that the land can begin to bear what? Food. Here's what you need to know. The creation narrative, once the Holy Spirit steps in, provides what man needs to not only live, but to thrive. God wants man, humankind, to thrive. I want you to catch this. But it does not happen until the Holy Spirit shows up. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, creation takes off. You have night and day, you have weather, and you have the potential for food. Now, when you look at this story, God does something that's always humorous to me. It's this. You will notice at the end of each day, what does God say when he hits his lazy boy recliner in heaven? He looks down, and what does he say? It is good. It's good. Really? He says to himself, God, good job. Well done. God, speaking to himself, says, skilled craftsmanship. Makes no sense. You know why God says it's good? Because it's functioning. It's working. Potential is beginning to be released. 
Meaning is now stepping into creation. Purpose is now stepping into creation. And when God says, let there be light, and there's night and day, now there's potential. When God announces that there's going to be weather, and He provides rain, and He provides what's needed, we got to picture this. Now there's potential. And on the third day, God fascinatingly does not create. He separates water from land so that now there's a place where food can happen. And at the end of each day, God kicks back in his lazy boy. And he says, it is good. It's not about the craftsmanship. It's about that it is now functioning and meaning and purpose and potential is now stepping into darkness and chaos and dysfunction. None of it happens until the Holy Spirit shows up. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, stuff begins to change. Now, what we have in the Scriptures is this. Is that the Spirit of God shows up and stuff begins to change. Now, I know some of us are sitting there and you're saying to yourself, Pete, this is all well and good. But what about the Newer Testament? Because you know if you're part of City Church, I don't care if I'm preaching through the book of Leviticus. We're going to end up on Jesus. It's important. So now if you're thinking about the whole idea of you've got the Older Testament, there's meaninglessness. There's dysfunction. There's a lack of potential. And all of a sudden, in the book of Genesis, the Holy Spirit begins to hover. And as the Holy Spirit begins to hover, creation begins to take off like a rocket. Well, there's an amazing parallel in the Newer Testament that I want each of us to clearly understand as we think about life in the Spirit. And it's this. Here it is. There it is. Here's what Scripture tells us. That God has chosen to step into the world. Into the world that was filled with chaos and brokenness and dysfunction. All of a sudden, God makes a divine choice that He's going to enter that world. And here's why. After the fall of man, potential and meaningless and all of that stuff that creation had circumvented and brought in through the Holy Spirit, through the fall, it crept back in. So God with love and God with grace makes a decision. He's going to step into this world. And in the Gospel of Luke, what we discover in the middle of the Christmas story, we find that an angel comes to a young virgin, a teenage virgin, by the name of Mary and approaches her. And the angel says to her, look, God's going to do an amazing thing. And the, and the angel looks at her and says, you know what, Mary? It's going to be amazing. You're going to have a child, and that child will be the King of kings and Lord of lords. That child's going to be the Messiah. That child's going to be the kid that everyone's waiting for. And Mary's no dummy. She says to the angel, how will this be? For I'm a virgin. And here's what the angel of the Lord says. The Holy Spirit will, what's the next word? Rest on you. Isn't this cool? The Holy Spirit is going to hover. That's what that literally means. 
that the Holy Spirit will rest on you and the power of the Most High will, what's the next word? Overshadow you. The same Holy Spirit that stepped into creation is now stepping back in again. And the Holy Spirit is now hovering over Mary. And as the Holy Spirit does that, the angel makes a promise. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now picture this. You're Mary. An angel appears to you. Steps right off the pages of the Older Testament. Stands in front of you and says, God wants to create something unique. And He's chosen you. And how He's going to do it is going to be as unique as the creative power in the book of Genesis. That same Holy Spirit that hovered and brought purpose and brought meaning and brought hope and brought a hope that chaos wouldn't be the thing that would run everything, now that same Holy Spirit is coming back into creation. And that Holy Spirit, by the way, Mary's going to hover over you. The Holy Spirit's coming, Mary. What do you want to do? Here's what Mary says never ceases to amaze me. Here's what Mary says to the angel. I am the Lord's servant. I love this. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. That is shocking. Here's Mary. The angel shows up and says, you know that creative hovering that happened in the book of Genesis? Mary, that's getting ready to happen to you. And she says, yes. And because Mary said yes to the work of the Holy Spirit, now there is a hope, there is something that's going to enter to the world that can transform everything. But know this, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that moves towards Mary and the conception happens because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, the question always is, what does that mean to us? What does that mean to you and me when it comes to the idea of putting feet to our faith? What does it mean for us? You might be saying, Pete, this is all well and good. When we think about putting feet to our faith, when it comes to the idea of life in the Spirit, here's what I want us to be keenly aware of, and I say this not as a criticism, but as something I am well aware of. Academically oriented people. I have spent three decades now pastoring in elite university towns. One, in uni one was at a university in New Jersey in the past 20 years here in Charlottesville. And here's what I've discovered about academically oriented people when it comes to God. You ready? We're comfortable with God the Father unless we have daddy issues. We're really comfortable with Jesus. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, our academic arrogance and our pride says no thank you. I've seen it. I've seen people that when you begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, they want to talk to you about their PhD in some science. I've been in academic communities for three decades and I have watched people miss God's best over and over and over again because God the Father's okay, God the Son is okay, but when you begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, people go, no thank you. So I have a question. And the question is this. 
in your life when meaninglessness and darkness and chaos hits, where are you going to go? Because the Bible begins with a story, and the story is this, that when things were not functioning, when potential was not being reached, when the ideal was not happening, the Holy Spirit showed up. So my question is, will you be like Mary? Are you going to be willing this summer to say to God what Mary said to God, and it's this, if your Holy Spirit wants to move in my life, I'm ready. I'm going to say yes. Because here's what I know. A lot of people who are academically oriented people live in darkness and chaos and brokenness and dysfunction and they feel as though mental toughness will get them through. I can promise you, you will hit stuff that's bigger than that. Because here's what I always have said to academic people, you ain't that smart. You're not smart enough that when your potential is not happening, and when darkness moves into your life, when chaos is running the day, when you've achieved everything that you've wanted, and you've got the trophies, the accolades, and the sheets of paper on the wall, what then? What then? And I have found that a trophy doesn't help when chaos hits. I have found that academic degrees do not help when chaos hits. Nothing wrong with those. Great pursuit. God called pursuits. I have a doctorate so that I know what I'm talking about. But here's what I want to say. If you are an academically oriented person, do not stiff arm the Holy Spirit. Don't do it. Because the Holy Spirit wants to move in your life to where you will function at a level that your Creator wants you to function. And you can say no. Or you can say yes. And the rest of this summer series that's entitled Life in the Spirit is based on this. That God, through the Holy Spirit, wants to do something in your life and in my life that you can't do. You can't do it, but God can. Another thought that I have, and it's this. When the Holy Spirit begins to move... I want you to say yes. I'm serious about that. I remember the first time I ever stepped into a church. It was a hippie church in Appleton, Wisconsin. Now let me be blunt. Hippies are everything my dad despises and warned me about. It was in the 70s. I walked into a church, and when I walked in, literally it was 125 hippies, and they had all come to Jesus. And I walked into the midst of that, and I was an isolated farm boy. We ended up going there because my mom's friend invited us to go. And I sat in that service, and for the first time in my life, I encountered the presence of God. I had no clue at what it was. I was someone had told me. Because I sat there and went, what is this? Is the lead pastor of City? I've had people come up and say the same thing to me. I've invited friends of mine to come to City Church, and they said, Pete, I came in, I sat down, and when I sat down, worship started, and I had a sense of things. 
and something happening that I had never had before. I remember one lady, IQ off the charts, showed up for Easter a few years ago. And when I caught her exiting, she walked up to me and said, if I keep crying at your services, I'm never coming back. My joke was is, my sermons are bad, but they're not that bad. And here's what she said. She said, Pete, when I walk in, there's something that's in the presence of those people that I've never experienced anyone else. And I said, has anyone ever told you about the Holy Spirit? And she said, no. And I said, well, you met him. You met him. He showed up because he loves you. And he cares for you. And he wants you to walk with Jesus. What I want to say is this. If you're a follower of Jesus, also be a person that's open to the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said it would be better if he would leave. Because when he left, he could send the Holy Spirit. Please don't be a follower of Jesus that only looks at two people of the Trinity with open arms and open heart. For the rest of this summer, I want to encourage all of us to be people that say yes to the Spirit of God. But here's what I know. Some of us, believe it or not, might just have to put the control button down. I don't mean that you're going to get weird. You're probably weird enough already. It's not what I'm talking about. But we are so used to in academic communities of being in control. Wouldn't it be better, even a relief in a release, for some of us to say, you know what, God? I'm going to be open to the Spirit. When the Spirit hovers, I need that. Because my life is marked with darkness and a lack of potential and a sense that I need God. Would you stand with me as we close? As we close out our time, I'm going to ask that you would close your eyes. For some of us, the prayer that we're getting ready to pray is going to be new. But it's going to be a prayer of welcoming the Holy Spirit's presence into your life. That you would be open to whatever it is the Holy Spirit would want to do. That this is about the function of your life. It's about the potential that you have. That God has chosen to place into your life. But the working of the Holy Spirit begins to release. Again, this is about function. As we go to God in prayer, I know that the Holy Spirit is here. Because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, I will be there, and he meant by the Spirit. So would you pray a simple prayer along with me? Would you lift up your hands, palms up, in a posture of openness, and pray a prayer that goes something like this. Jesus, I don't know everything there is to know about you, and I definitely do not know everything there is to know about your spirit. But Jesus, if you said it was better for you to leave, 
so that the Holy Spirit would arrive. I trust you. So, Lord Jesus, this morning, that spirit that you sent, and Holy Spirit, I now invite you to do a work in my heart and in my life. Holy Spirit, especially in the areas of dysfunction and chaos and meaninglessness, help me to be a man or a woman that turns to you and not the material world. Because in your world, God, it's about function and not material things. So Holy Spirit, come, touch our hearts, touch our lives, and allow us to be a group of people that are open to you throughout this summer and beyond. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take a few moments to worship
Cristo 